<laughs> I hate this. <laughs> oh man, my mom is going to be disappointed. Uh, I need you to bring the ice that's in the freezer. Young man with the lightest glow. I'm in it and then I blow. My mission is get black. Watch out, girl, I'm trying to go. Watch out, girl, I'm finna lap. I'm in the back with my dad and I'm finna lap. I'm in a pack with a verse and I'm of fact. I'm finna fat or a trap, but I feel a gap. I know to the water. I don't know, but I know you to go to the water. Welcome to the Belfast Podcast with your host, Dimitri Lash. I'm currently upset at the other co-host of the podcast, Luke Byler. Luke, go ahead and introduce yourself. Hello, everyone. My name is Luke Byler. I'm mad at Luke right now because he's just bungled the intro for the fourth time in a row. I think we've only done four of these. Is this our fourth one? Yeah, four or five. I don't remember. Gosh. Something like that. But hey, no. do you want to even release those? I guess that's a good question. I hope not, honestly. All right, then we won't. Yeah. Those things are going in the trash. You made some derogatory racial comments towards the Asian community that I'm just not comfortable with releasing. You must have been (laughs) Asian. Yeah. (laughs) Any context to that joke would just... It it would make it worse, honestly. But... (laughs) If you're Asian, we're glad you're here. Yes. Luke Luke loves you. I do. Even if his comments do not reflect that. We are here because we are talking about church, love, life, liberty, um, the pursuit of happiness, really. Uh, talking about happiness, I was not a happy camper. I just waited in line for 25 minutes for... McDonald's chicken McNuggets. But to be fair, the re- the employees of this certain McDonald's resurrected the situation. I got three free cookies and a free large drink. So, I mean, the last thing, it, it's a lesson. I didn't yell at them. I just asked where my food was, if they were getting to it or if they had forgotten about it. And they were very nice. They felt bad for me. Honestly, I think it said more about me that I was willing to wait 20 minutes for my chicken McNuggets. I was surprised. I mean, I'm not a patient person. I was on the phone with my dad for a good chunk of that time. And then after a while, it's just like, this is ridiculous. So I'm burping because I'm currently eating said McNuggets while we're recording. Um, what a classy gentleman. I'm not. What do you mean by classy gentleman? I'm just hungry. I just ran 2.82 miles in 21 minutes and 12 seconds, Luke Byler. What did you do today? Not that much. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Forget you. Classy gentleman. So we're uh, we're currently sitting in the guest room of uh, Luke Byler's house. We have not been together to record a podcast in almost nine months. Not nine. Nine? You think it's nine? We started in August. It's June. Well, I know, but we recorded like two when I was gone. That's what I'm saying, though, in the same room. That was the important part of oh, that sentence. Oh, yes, yes, yes. That is Gosh. true. That is true. Sorry. Do you even want to do the podcast? I do. It's 1030 at night. It's almost past your bedtime. Uh, it is. It's getting it's, pretty late. It is. According to Luke Byler, it's pretty late. I'm usually up till about one. This is when I do most of my good thinking <laughs> while I'm playing Xbox. I currently lost the first round of the playoffs with the Dallas Mavericks against the Oklahoma City oh, Thunder. Oh, and you're my player? Yeah, I'm pissed. That sucks. My team sucks. How far did your team go in the series? 
uh that was the first that was the first series in the playoffs i know how far did like how many games oh five games was it oh, okay yeah we got destroyed i think the smallest margin of victory that the thunder had against us was 23 points oh my goodness what, what? year is your player as a rookie so okay yeah it's not too bad we have we have room to grow we have room to grow okay i'm trying to chase that max contract it's not all about the nba championships okay chase that max max contract oh <laughs> One time I started a my player and I just wanted to see what would happen when you hit the retire button and it just ends the whole thing. I was like, why would this be an option? Why why do they give you the option of that? And why I don't understand this. I, I'm gonna get on my soapbox for a minute with video games. Why do they make me build up to play their game? Like why do they hate me enough to not let me play their game? Do you ever play that like Madden? There's an option when you start your my player that it's either like start as the fourth string quarterback or start as the starter. Like, obviously, I'm going to start as a starter. I want to play your freaking game. Okay. Why do they have that as an option? Why do they want me to just practice for six months? And why did they have Spike Lee direct that whole thing in my player a couple oh years ago? Oh, God, dude. I can't even fathom why. The check must have been huge. It's... Well, I'm sure he was really excited about it. And I'm sure NBA was really excited about it. And then for whatever reason, the story ends up being that your character killed a man by shoving him down the stairs and your best friend covered up the murder, murder, and now he's blackmailing you. And then spoiler alert for anybody out there, your friend borrows your car and dies in it. And that's how the story ends. And then you have to sign that's your... That's a really sad story for a major sports game. It's a shocking story. You hop on my side, got that Girl, get you that meal, got so many Why are we here today? What topic would we like to talk about today? Well, um, it's funny. We This whole podcast started because we both love C.S. Lewis. Mm-hmm. And we both bought the same, uh, same book. Uh, it's a collection of his books, and we were like, "All right, we'll read it and we'll go through it." And I would love to host a podcast about the books, right? And so we started going through Screw Tape Letters. We did maybe four, three or four episodes. We were on chapter like eleven. Yeah, we were doing like letter eleven. Should I say three letters a week? Yeah, so. Three, it turned four. into book club very easily. Yeah, it was book club, and that's kind of what I was thinking in the beginning, which is like. Fine, but then we like started say tweaking the format. Yeah, and thinking about tweaking the format, and we had a couple conversations about it. Both me being in Springfield and you being here in Kansas City, it was like super hard to get congruent times to work out, and like then Skype and recording and sending me the recordings and all that stuff. It just didn't work out. So we uh, haven't recorded anything for at least seven months, and nine months. We recorded it within the first couple month or so. Together. Together. But I'm just saying episode in general. It doesn't matter. Um, I'm right. Either way, it's been a minute since we've recorded and a lot of stuff has changed. I've now moved back to Kansas City. You have. Um, finishing my school online. Mm. And so I'm back home and it feels amazing. <laughs> You made it there, sound like you got like new, like shoe inserts. Like you know what? I back got the, home. I got these. I'm I back got these home. new shoe inserts. I'm back I home, baby. A, I feel I'm amazing. Good. My lower back has never felt better. Back home. Back home. We're glad to have you. 
Yeah, thank you. You're thank welcome. You. I'm, I'm glad currently to be living here. in your house. Yeah. Yeah. Well, my parents are back in Africa, but that's a whole other story. Yeah. Do they know um, I'm here? No. They, I emailed, <laughs> dude, I, e- I emailed my dad for Father's Day. Yeah. At, like the day, it would have been like, Which was they would have been ago. like waking up. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because I emailed them like late at night, early uh-huh. in the morning. And I expected at least a response back, but apparently they haven't had power. Their internet's been spotty. Oh, okay. So I haven't heard anything back from them. And I even asked them at the end of my email. I was like, hey, I would love to like talk to you guys. If you have time tomorrow, da, 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 all this stuff, mm. haven't heard anything. And oh. So I would have told them, yeah, actually, Dimitri's ended up living with me. Oh, yeah. When we talked, but we haven't talked. So I'll email them probably tomorrow because I'll have the day more free. It's so, fine. But yeah, to no, they don't know you're living here. But <laughs> I, That makes but me feel try- so much more worse about this. <laughs> but they were even, when they were helping me move all my stuff from Springfield, Braden was there. And so my mom was even like, hey, would you like... Would you want to stay with Luke at all while uh, he's gone? And so, like, they're definitely like, yeah, have people over. We know you don't like living by yourself and all really? this stuff. So, yeah. I think well, they'd be more than happy that you are here. But yeah, I'm back home. Um, a lot of stuff happened for m- me in Springfield and even since I moved back. But that has sparked a lot of conversation between us, um, mostly because of the church I ended up attending at the end of my time in Springfield, which that might be a whole nother podcast episode. Um, but we're both huge fans, regardless of all that information, we're both huge fans of King's Kaleidoscope. Um, and they put out an album called Zeal, what, the beginning of the summer? No, it wasn't quite It was a couple summer. months ago. Yeah. That's, yeah, about three three months ago. Yeah. And uh, is that thing just falling off over there? I don't want to talk about it. Just keep talking. (laughs) And so it doesn't have the like the the special thing. Like, you know what I'm saying? Because it fell off. I I don't want to talk about the microphone. Can you please just go back to the subject? Yeah, yeah, sorry. I want to know how the sausage is made. (laughs) (laughs) But they... uh, I say, I say they as if the whole band was there But Chad They from, as a collective said the same words at the same time <laughs> It's very impressive But Chad from Kings was on The Bad Christian Podcast uh-huh. uh, And they ended up talking A lot about This huge Moment or trend Or whatever you want to call it That like evangelicalism is having And has been having I think for longer than I've been aware of it but it's really coming into focus now and of the past year. And it's this whole deconstructionist movement of people leaving churches, kind of like tearing down a lot of the stuff that they thought that they were taught because all these leaders are failing them. And, you know, all for good reasons, understandable things that you're like, dang, if I was in that situation, I'd probably be doing the same thing. And I am kind of doing the same thing a little bit, not as extreme as most people. Right. But Chad is like in the interview and I'd encourage anybody who's listening to this podcast, please like for full context of what we're going to talk about. Yeah. A lot of this. All three of you. All all (laughs) three of you. um, A lot of what we're going to talk about and for the remainder of the podcast stems from that, that episode. So go to the bad Christian podcast, look for the newest one with Chad 
from Kings K. Listen to that and then come back so you're aware of what we're talking about. So you have some context for this. And so you can maybe understand some things going on. But in layman's terms, I'll we're going to stem from. So Luke and I listened to the podcast. I showed it to you a couple days ago. Yeah. Okay. So I listened to it a couple months ago when it first came out because he was about to go on tour. And so he was doing promotional stuff for the album. And so he's good friends with these guys. So he's on there and he's talking about how church has never been a personal stretch for him in terms of hurt. So he's a part of Mars Hill that fell apart. Mark Driscoll, Rob Bell, all those guys. Mars Hill falls apart and he had never taken it personally to the point where it was like affecting him and his faith. It was just never his place to be hurt by that. But he had friends who were really affected by that. And so he was trying to empathize with them, walk with them in that. And he said something that they all kind of picked up on is listening to these podcasts. And one of them was a bad Christian podcast. another know the liturgist podcast mm-hmm. um, with the Gungor uh, couple yeah, uh, I've heard a little bit of them. Yeah, not too deep into their content, but I yeah, and I've just heard they're a little bit off the wall and and a little less traditionalist, but they're they're a little more anti-church as well. Um, but basically, Chad, the the quote that we love from the podcast and the quote that really like dug deep is the fact that like he said they would listen to these podcasts, he would listen to sermons, or he would listen to these. YouTube videos about how the church is is wrong and how leaders are corrupt and all this stuff. And he would hit pause and he'd look around the room and he'd just say, man, are we happier that we're listening to this stuff? And he said the overwhelming feeling is that no, no one was happier and no one was growing spiritually. They just were able to sit in their anger. Yeah. And it, and he's saying, not that the things that they were questioning were like bad to question no. or that they shouldn't be, but it was just question, 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 tear it, tear it, tear it down where it was just to the moment where like, are we actually like rebuilding or building anything? Are we building up our faith at all? No, we're just tearing down all the stuff that and here's- should get tear down. But like, it's not just sitting and tearing it down. Isn't making anybody happier. Exactly. So, we're going to talk about three things. So there's a Richard Rohr article that also you can can go read through. But Richard Rohr describes a progressive, healthy, growing faith as in three steps. And he says there's construction, deconstruction, and then the third and most important is the reconstruction. And so, first of all, the construction side of it, I think, is interesting because I've tried to unpack it. I've tried to think about it a few different ways since we started talking about it. And it just seems like construction takes the longest or it has it is supposed to take the longest. Right. And I think that's the what's really difficult about construction is that you're most likely not doing it alone. And so I think that... No, of course. And that's part of the hurt that comes in is when the people who helped you construct right. either fail you or leave it or hurt you. Like maybe like, God forbid, like someone who helped you do that, like abuses you spiritually, physically, mentally, whatever. And then you're like, well, if this person who helped me build all this did this to me, then like, can I believe it? 
Right, exactly. And so I think it's interesting because like even in the in the most innocent sense of that is what I find to be growing up as a kid in the church, your parents. Mm-hmm. Your parents, for lack of a better term, they're going to make you go to church as a kid if they are church going people. They're going to make you go to youth group at some point. There is a sense that the faith they are giving to you is not your own. They just want you to grow up in it, right? Yeah. Because uh, like most likely, you know, as a kid, A, you're not going to really understand not going to church versus going to church. And if your parents go to church, if it's just part of your day-to-day routine, because there is a lot of, you know, biblical truth and worshiping as a family and, and the family structure and how that works. And so it's probably another podcast, but the idea that like you as a kid don't really get a lot of control in that. But once you get to like the high school age, once you can start driving, once you can start thinking for yourself, a lot of that construction you realize is based off of your parents Mm -hmm. in the most innocent sense. And sometimes it is, yes, a pastor. And we're in our 20s now. And I think both of us have experienced at least some form of not personally, maybe, but seeing how pastors can spiritually abuse. Mm hmm on churches outside of ours or churches that we've attended, but now are not really connected to or things like that. And just how church leadership can be misorganized. And and it's really about, again, like seeing how other people affect your faith. Yeah. In the construction phase. And I think this is something that we all know because the phrase that gets tossed around a lot when kids become older is, what do, what do parents and mentors always say? Well, their faith became their own. Yep. It wasn't. Or the phrase in the church of the leader is like, you need to make your faith your own, right? Right. Because you're not a Christian or you don't like have faith simply because, oh, my parents have faith or mm-hmm. my parents are Christian, so I'm a Christian. Like, I think a corny way to say it is like, God has no grandchildren. Like, it's just like, we all become his kids. Right. So like we all have it ourselves. And so like, I think what, what you're hitting on is like absolutely true. What Roar talks about in that article is just like, it's that moment when it's no longer like theirs that you just like backpack off of. Right. But it's like you, it's no longer you following them with the load, like up the hill. Mm -hmm. It's like them taking it off and being like, and you saying like, no, I want to carry that now. Right. And exactly. so you take it on. But then as you keep going and I'm going to extend the metaphor, you like you investigate the things inside of your bag mm-hmm. and you realize that like, hey, like, I don't know if I want to carry all of this, if all of this should be in this bag, you know, what's here? What do I take? What do I leave? Should I even do that? And it's like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, totally. And I think like part of that and and why 20 somethings and further are deciding to leave it is because there's other paths now. There's so many other options for you to go down. And all of those paths don't require you to carry that same burden. And so the interesting thing that Richard Rohr talks about is the idea that part of the issue with construction is that we love to get stuck in construction. Mm -hmm. There are X amount of people that aren't willing to let go of their parents' hand 
and stop going to church with them or stop believing in things just because their parents believe in it. There's an issue there because there's fear involved. Mm-hmm. There is no... It's it's kind of like watching birds learn how to fly, you know, when the mama bird just has to kick it out of the nest yeah, and hope for the best, right? We as humans, that's not really how we're organized, right? I mean, sometimes that's the case. Sometimes you get a swift kick in the butt, but other times we're just kind of like waiting for our kids or we're waiting for our friends or we're waiting for however that works out, right? We're just waiting for them to make the move and they never really want to because they're afraid of what's on the other side. Yeah. And because they see a lot of their friends, like I personally, like I've seen a lot of my friends kick them, you know, get out of the nest and then they realize like, no, I don't want to be a Christian anymore. Like I don't believe in these things. And whether that is because of the community they found outside of the church or because they read a lot of books that were irreligious or they just kind of started building this slow kind of anti-religious kind of thing like you know however innocent or however you know you know intentionally they were running after that it Mm -hmm. just kind of ended up being the case and so now you're like you see that and then you see a lot of people that are kind of struggling with their faith so if you're stuck in construction that's a really scary place to look at everybody else going well if they don't know and i kind of just feel comfortable here why would i leave yeah. But the issue with that, and Richard Rohr talks about this in the article, and I think that the issue that I think we've both experienced is you get stuck there too long, the questions sort of just pile up. You can only shove them down so far before it kind of becomes overwhelming. Yes. Yes. And here's the it's so funny. I was uh <laughs> um I'm gonna try I've been thinking about this all day. Um I'm going to try and put this in a way that's understandable. So it's like, um, it's like this. So if your faith is your car, right? A lot of, well, I won't say a lot of times. Sometimes what happens is you get the hand-me-down car either from a brother or a sister or your parents' your parents's, your parents' old car, right? And so that's like the faith. Right. So like you're kind of given the faith. It's kind of like you're born into it in the sense that like you're from the fam, they're from like your family of origin. And like, you know, you get to ride around in the car, you get to be in the car, Mm -hmm. you get to drive the car, they kind of give you the car and you get that freedom. And, you know, you might have to take care of a little bit of it. Um, So like it kind of becomes yours, but it's still tied to your parents. Right. And then it's like, but at some point, like, the car breaks down and then you have to investigate all the stuff inside the car Mm -hmm. and it, you can only like let it sit on the side of the road broken down like for so long you can only, and it's like, I think why this kind of works is like you drive the car for like however long in that construction and you're just like, you accept how all of it works you're like, oh, it's fine. Like, you know, this light might be on or this light might be on, but like, I'm good. Like, my questions aren't that big. It's not that complicated. Did it all this stuff, right? And so it's all simple and you're driving, but then more lights come on, more things start happening. There's a rattle and there's noise. And you're like, what is that? Are but you, it's, hold on, stop. Are you describing my car? No, no, I'm not. But that kind of sounds like my car. Sure, yeah. Your car is a great example. My car is the worst car ever. <laughs> 
history of cars. Please continue, though. I love this analogy. Um, but yeah, some starts rattling, and you're like, what is that noise? And there's no light for it, but you're like, that noise is there. Every time I, like, accelerate, you know, it, it happens. Or, like, you know, my brakes squeak real bad, but, like, I'm right. not going to pay attention to it. And so it's like you kind of just throw caution to the wind, and you're like, well, it'll work out, right? And then you're on the side of the road, and you have to deal with all these things that have come up mm-hmm. that you didn't address before. And so it's there, and there's your deconstruction. Yeah. And now it's at a worse point than it ever would be if you would have willingly started asking those questions. Yes. And so I, I think, so as we kind of... I hope that that analogy might break down in places, ironically. Ah, but I really it liked it, personally. It works for the, it works for the, for the scenario Personally, as someone who drives a 2000 Infinity that does literally everything you described and then some... Uh, I really enjoyed it personally. I need to get a new car. But the issue, I, I think that now we're in deconstruction, right? Yes. And I, I think deconstruction, people love, as Chad said, being stuck there because it's so easy. And and so to use another analogy, like every... Here's, okay, so let me clarify this a little bit. Maybe reaching back to some of the stuff you said just to help people who might not be as familiar with these concepts understand what we're saying. So like the construction is maybe like the, it's the faith with no questions or it's the faith with like little questions. Right. Where like, where you, you like have a question, but you take it to like either that pastor or you read like one thing, whether it be the Bible or another book. And you're like, Oh, well, now I have like all the answers to that. Like, I'm not going to investigate further because, mm-hmm. like, I know what's going on. Great if you're that's like if that's you, you and that's as far as it. Like, I don't know. That seems amazing. That seems illogical. But <laughs> in this day, anyway, point being is that like that's that construction, and then the deconstruction is like is like the fun of the like bashing everything down is like all questions, no faith. Right. So it's like all faith, like no questions or little questions or simple questions, maybe is a better way to say it. And then deconstruction is like difficult questions, but no faith. Yeah. It seems to be the, the running trend. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it, it's not that it's, it's, whoa, just dropped the microphone. Losing and everything. I can't deal with this. Technology has failed me. Um, Sort of the thing I see it as is is maybe not necessarily just like a lack of faith, but yeah, maybe that's too harsh of terms to put it in. Maybe too simple. I think that's probably the end of the spectrum of it. But yeah. I do yeah, yeah, think yeah. you lose a lot of faith and you misguide your anger or you misguide some of the confusion you have. And so I I've just seen a lot yeah, of people. In that's my- a that's a better way to put it. I don't want to categorize everybody who's like in deconstruction and maybe in de- like deconstruction as yeah. like faithless. Yeah. Cause I know people who are deconstructing and they have immense faith. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. Just to clarify on that, like I'm not no, I'm painting I, I with broad yeah. strokes, but like they just, it's misguided. And so I see a lot of people who have just kind of like turned their, their back maybe on the church or maybe they've, lost their faith in Jesus to the point where like, well, I believe in a God, I believe in a higher power, but it's definitely not Jesus. You know, I hear a lot of that. I hear a lot of, well, now I'm Buddhist because it's more spiritual and it's more thought provoking. 
and it's just more about my time here on earth than it is, you know, any sort of magic stories or fairy tale. You know, I've just yeah. heard the nine yards about it. And what it seems is that most of it stems from people being people, but because it's pastors, because it's church employees, because it's the leader of your small group, because it's your accountability partner, because it's these people with these titles, it means more for them to mess up. Mm-hmm. As it should. As it should, because I think we both agree that ministry is a calling and that you are called to a higher standard because of that. And so your mess ups are going to be magnified mm-hmm. because there's more eyes. And, and I think that's just a natural progression. I think anybody that, that complains about that in ministry, that they just keep getting, you know, ransacked with criticism. Well, I would probably look at how you're running your ministry. Or your life. Or your life, yes, to be more blunt. But I also think people, like, need Jesus. And that's kind of what Chad was getting at. And and maybe this is too soon of a transition into the reconstruction phase, but there's this... The album cover for the single called A Little Bit of Faith for the album is... the, The first single is called The Rush, and it was the felt... Like, what is it called? Um, like those felt boards, felt boards, yes, of old Bible storyboards, yes, yeah, something like that. And they made the entire album artwork out of those. And it's supposed to like, like bring in this like idea of like this childlike wonder, like that we used to like make the Bible stories with the felt boards and, and all that kind of stuff, right? And so it was like kind of fun to look at that. And we're just like, okay, well, maybe that has nothing to do with the album, but it brings back a little bit of nostalgia. Mm-hmm. The third single, A Little Bit of Faith, the cover is a kid it's like a faceless kid so you get to implant the meaning into the kid whether or not that's you or somebody else or whatever and he's reading just a book just sitting crisscross applesauce and the idea of the whole album that Chad's trying to get is beginning to end it's starting in deconstruction and building and then realizing that like childlike wonder with your faith is as pure of of faith as you can get mm-hmm. because as a kid you're not worried about your pastor you're not worried about church leadership misusing funds or spiritually abusing people those are really adult things to have to worry about and to take offense of to worry about what the pastor and or his family is posting on social media to worry about this, that, or the other is a really adult thing. To have a childlike faith, to sit down with your Bible, to sit down with a felt board, and to just really like bask in what like wonderment that God is to you, the fact that you don't have any control over the world you're in, and that makes you happy because you know the person who is, and you're a child of him. Like, that's beautiful. And like, that's... We don't, we think we don't get out of construction because it's too hard. We think it's going to be too scary and we don't leave deconstruction because it's too easy. It's too comfortable in deconstruction because it takes so little effort to deconstruct something. Like we, like you ever played a game of Jenga, how hard it is to get those little blocks and to ask the right, like, you know, to get the right blocks out and to put it on top and to stack it. It's so easy just to knock the whole thing over. But that's kind of what reconstruction is, right? It's learning what blocks that I need to poke out that I need to get the, you know, to get the tower taller 
But knocking out the big ones is just going to knock the whole thing over. That's mm-hmm. easier. Reconstruction is not about answering all those questions. Reconstruction is about answering the questions you can answer. And it's about having peace with the ones that you can't. Exactly. Because God's mysterious. Like the smartest Christian theologians and scholars, they can't even touch the mystery of God. And so we live here and we're just like, well, I need some more answers about why bad things happen to good people. I need more answers on why God allows so much suffering in these third world countries. I need to know why this, that, or the other. And or I need you to explain to me Genesis like one and two. Genesis. I need to understand how many points of Calvinism should I believe? And we just had this conversation today. Yeah. And no one's ever going to figure that out until you're standing before God. Like, like we will get all those answers and then some when we get to heaven. But they won't be in the way we think. No. And I love Tim Keller's talking about the idea that we have this, that God is so infinite in his knowledge. It says that in, in the scriptures plenty of times. And the fact that we are very finite beings. We have a beginning. We have an end. Your birth date and your, and your date of death, right? Mm-hmm. And to think that we in our finite human experiences can even fathom the reasons God has for things or the plans he has or the reconciliation he has is so like mind-numbingly wrong. And I think that's the argument Chad uses is it's that like this childlike wonder, like that takes everything away from us and puts everything on God. Mm-hmm. And so the question like that we try to answer, are you happier Like, I remember so many times as a kid when I was happier, you know? Yeah. When Bible stories made you feel encouraged and less inquisitive. (laughs) You know? Like, even the story of Jonah. Like, you read Jonah as a kid, and I mean, to be fair, maybe it's a bad explanation, but you read Jonah and you're like, oh my gosh, like... Or, okay, maybe let's use a better one. No, sorry. Yeah, because Jonah's kind of a whiny little a-hole, but... Noah? Noah? Yeah. Yeah, Noah. Uh, maybe it's a, okay. Yeah, Noah's sure. Fine. We'll go with Noah. Yeah, Noah. You read that and you're just like, man, that's a dude living out God's calling. Or maybe it's like David, right? Because we, we like, you're taught like, oh, well, David messed up. You know, he killed a guy. Uh, little, like, as a kid, you're just like, oh, man, like, David had some stuff wrong with him, but he lived as a king that for lack of a better term, lived a good human life in terms of the ups and downs, the, gosh, what did uh, C.S. Lewis call it in the Screwtape Letters? The troughs and the peaks of the valley, or yeah, the peaks and the troughs. Yeah, I, think. I thought he had a word for it though. Like, Oh, undulation. Yes, undulation. Such a weird word. But the undulation of life is what we see in David, but he was a man after God's own heart. Mm-hmm. And like, that's all we can ask for as humans is being a man after God's own heart, not seeking perfection. Little do you know, as an adult, like, well, David killed the dude to sleep with his wife who he had gotten pregnant. And so he didn't want the guy to find out. So he like sent him to the front lines. There's all this stuff that you learn as an adult. And you're just like, oh man, first and foremost, the Bible's rated R. (laughs) So, you know, it like... You read all this stuff and then you have all these questions. 
And it still doesn't change that David was a man after God's own heart. Yeah. It still doesn't change the fact that the Old Testament is built around the fact of like, listen, this is a biblical narrative of like people that lived not perfect lives because of the fall of man. Even if they were after God's own heart, they still mess up as we do, as your pastors will, you know. Mm -hmm. And the fact that Jesus comes and redeems all of that because as, uh, gosh, what's his name? Matt, Matt Chandler. Yeah. Matt Chandler, he's talking about the Bible. He's like, dude, all it is is a story about Jesus, present, past, and future. The life of Jesus, his ministry before Jesus in the Old Testament and past Jesus in Acts and then on to that as Paul writes all these letters to these churches as the apostles go out and show the good news. Mm -hmm. It's all about Jesus. And as a kid, like that's all you need to hear. You're just like, man, this guy, Jesus is awesome. He's my friend. I want to be his friend. How do we grow with that? I'll just pray before I go to bed every night. I'll, you know, yeah. There's an innocence there that as adults we we don't have time, we don't have the energy. I just have too many questions. I'm not willing to unpack it. I don't have the time to unpack it. I don't have the energy to unpack it. It just seems easier that I would live a life without faith or a life that is lukewarm in faith because I'm too afraid to ask the questions. Here's the other thing that I cuz I agree with everything you're saying. I also think that, like, <laughs> there's a huge reason that all the questions come, and I think it's natural. I don't think we need to fight the questions. No. I just think that, like we said, we need to deal with the ones that we know we need to deal with and have peace with the ones that, like, we can't deal with or can't deal with right now. And here's the deal with like C.S. Lewis talks about temperance Mm -hmm. about the idea that like there are some things we can do that other people just can't. Right. Mm -hmm. So like for me, there are things in the Bible that I just, I know that if I try to unpack it, it's just too much. Genesis is one of those things where it's just like, if I jump down that rabbit hole, I'm never going to come out of it. And it's just one of those things where it's like, I know that if I start, my faith is going to waver a little bit because I'm going to spend so much time worrying about, is Genesis literal? Is it a figurative seven days? Is it old earth, old earth, new earth? What does it all mean? You know what I'm saying? I'm going to spend so much time with that. My relationship with Jesus is going to suffer. Yeah. And I don't know, man. It's just like, there's things like that where I know I can't, but I know really good Christians really strong Christians in their faith that have a relationship with Jesus where they can unpack Genesis day in, day out. And the relationship with Jesus doesn't suffer. It's that idea of temperance. Like, hey, man, if it doesn't cause you know you to sin and it doesn't cause other people to sin, do it. And I think it's that way with TV shows. I think it's that way with anything. But even the word of you know God, the Bible, this collection of letters... If you can't read in a certain way where you're just going to start tearing everything down because you know you could get stuck in deconstruction there, don't do it. That's a conviction. Yeah, and do it. And like, I would also say like, I think one of the, I think this is props to like Chad and his friends too, is like, and maybe there's a, there's a double-edged sword here, but like, I would say don't deconstruct by yourself. Yes. I mean, yes, you I, I would say you don't necessarily want to get with everyone who is deconstructing, right? Mm-hmm. At the same moment about the same exact things. Right. Because like 
then all of you are just going to be in the house just swinging hammers and like you're never going to leave because it's so much fun to all grovel in totally yeah all this stuff which i'm making deconstructionist people sound awful but i mean knowing that i'm slightly one of them is right you know like we're all and that's the reason aw- that we're doing this and podcast. It's not awful i had dinner with a friend the other night and we're talking about you know spiritual issues or church issues that we both have struggled with and i left feeling disgusted with myself because part of it was just gossip part mm-hmm. of it was just knowing yeah. too much about too much and but part of it was just me leaving unhappy not feeling that it was that i felt like vindicated that i felt like i had like purged myself of all this information in being able to receive somebody else's information i just felt like i was just weighed down Mm-hmm. Because I was unhappy because it was this deconstruction wasn't causing a healing doubt. And I think that's maybe what we're like getting at here is that there's a difference between doubt that leads to healing, deconstruction mm-hmm. that leads to healing, and there's deconstruction that just leads to more deconstruction. And more pain. And more pain. Yeah. I think Andy... I think that's what I'm getting to is like, if you're going to be deconstructing, then like... Please like get with people who are also like maybe they aren't your group that you like talk about the deconstruction with because like I think our groups kind of become like our, bit, the, yeah, yeah. me you and Will are like kind of in some of this deconstruction stuff as we talk about different things like in the Bible and how our views on stuff have changed but um, but I think at the end of the day like we're also with other people who like aren't yes so it's helpful it's that counterbalance of like then you see someone who's like who's not in that and they can show you that like faith and that like love for like the word or love for jesus that you're like man i'm not there but i want to be there yes and so like give i would say like advice if you're gonna you know take any of my advice but like to somebody who's like feels like they're super deep in that deconstruction and isn't happy is like man like maybe it's one or two other people but like and just hang out with them for like an hour. People who aren't deconstructing, who aren't just swinging hammers in the house. Like some people who are actually like putting nails in the wall and like studs up and, that's and stuff difficult. like that. I, like I love being that guy that's just like, like I I have that like kind of compulsive need to be like the smart one, you know? Yeah. Like no, I, same. And so like, there's this idea that like, I think people that just have blind faith. Like I thought for the longest time. We're just being naive. They made me sick. Yeah, totally. That they're just like, you know what? I was just thinking about God. The, like, it would make me sick to my stomach when people are just like, I just think God gives talents to all these people. Like, you know, these classic like Bible Belt things that people would say. Like, I'll, I just, I pray for him and and all this kind of stuff. And it's just like, uh, like, are you that? Like, like, I can't stand that. Like, I would never think about it like that. Like, I would have to like think for hours before I said something like that. Yeah. But now I live with like this idea that like I almost look up to those people because they're not the ones just tearing everything down. Like they're just taking it like sometimes we just need to take God for face value that he's loving and he's caring and then he has our best interests in mind. Mm-hmm. I think that that's and we talked about earlier today. We were just having a conversation like God is as simple or as, as complex yeah, as that's we what I wanted to, to hit on next. Yeah, and I think that that's I think for for all of this, for all the conversations that we have, all the podcasts we do, I think this is what I want to get across. Because as we jump into maybe some very specific things and get complex, like 
it's yeah. Because some it of the views we have, yeah, go, go ahead. Go some ahead. of the views we have, like we want to do a podcast, like we're going to do an episode soon, just about like our views on church and how that has changed from what we thought of maybe even like a year ago mm-hmm. to now. Oh yeah, because we've had a lot of discussions about what is church going to look like in the 2020s, the 2030s, and moving on a generation. Like, is the way we construct church even feasible? Mm-hmm. And that's the thing, like, is like, those are really complex issues, but both of us just went through some really hard times in our life too, where we just needed God to be loving and caring as a father. Mm -hmm. And like the idea that I think, so it wasn't like a, I think that this, I loved Chad talking about this in the interview too. Um, Man. And this goes back to the idea of like, get around some people who aren't deconstructing like you are. Exactly. Or like you may have been, um, but like, uh, I'm just going to tell it because, like, I think it's so beautiful. And something that I resonated with very heavily was he was like, he was like, man, the trouble with, like, all my deconstruct, all my friends and, like, all this church hurt and all this stuff, all this real stuff that, like, we can't deny. And, like, I'm walking with him and we're deconstructing and we're listening to this, listening to that. He's like, but we aren't going to church. Like, we ain't praying for each other. We ain't, like, worshiping together. We ain't studying scripture together. We're just, like to use the analogy I keep using, we're just like hammers, like sledgehammers, and we're just running around the house just knocking it down. And it's just like, but we ain't building. And so he was like, dude, he's like, I have my family, like my wife and I, we started going to church again. And he was like, he's like, dude, what's crazy is like, I will sit there, you know, maybe half asleep or like attending to my kid. But he's like, then when I take communion, he's like, there's something about like that community that I'm around and taking the bread and the cup, and it's just like nothing else matters as much as this or as much in my whole week as this moment right here. And it's like, I felt that, and like, and this will be in the other episode, but like at my church in Springfield was like, and we dug, dig and dug into some really deep stuff, but it always, always ended with communion. And it was just like, you know, we, um, what was the phrase? It's, uh, oh my gosh, I'm going to forget it. It'll, it'll come back to me in a second. But it was like the idea that like, we're all a part of this body. Like we're all in the church. We don't have to agree on everything, but mm-hmm. like we're taking these sacraments because Christ died, rose again for us so we can be in the body. So let's remember that and let's be together, even though we're different. And it was just like every week, take the bread and the cup. And it was just like, in those moments you're like, man, this is, this is it. Like, this is everything. And it's like, even though we went through all this complex theology throughout the whole service and we did some songs and all this stuff, it's like, but at the end of the day, like it was super complex and now it's simple. And like resting in both of those in that tension. Oh my gosh. So just yeah just bringing back the faith to the to those who are deconstructing yeah i think faith is, is a beautiful thing on its own deconstruction seems a little bit ugly at the time but the faith you get in reconstruction is so much more beautiful than anything else in that process oh yeah it's so much more fuller it's so, like i think both of us are 
gosh, uh, to say that we're out of deconstruction no, would be a hard thing. No. But we're getting, I think we're starting to reconstruct a little bit. And we're yeah. starting to think thoughtfully through these things. And we've had really good conversations in the last week, I think, that have just helped me kind of like think through, what do I think of church? What do I think of this? What do I think of that? You know? And I think it's helping. It's that idea that the reconstruction needs to be thoughtful. Yeah. It needs to not just be a tap out that, well, I'm done with deconstruction. So, and I just feel gross. So I guess, yeah, I guess that because I, that just puts you back into the construction phase that puts you back in phase one. Yeah. yeah. I think that the biggest thing I want to like convey in this whole thing, this whole podcast is like, I don't want to like just crap all over deconstruction yep. or reject it and say like, don't do it. Cause like, in the little, in the smaller ways that's happened in my life in the past year, it's been one of the healthiest things ever, man. Yeah. Like, it's been amazing. But I also didn't like, I didn't come with like hurt from a church or abuse from a leader or like things like that. So like, I don't, I can't, like, I want to be able to empathize with those stories and sit with them. And like, Chad tells a great story. He's like, what would someone on the bad... I don't remember who it was, but they were like, so what would you say to like the guy who's been like abused and all this stuff from like, a, like all, all these things. And he was like, dude, I would want to have empathy and understanding and care for him and say, I love him. But also like, can we sing Jesus loves me at this King show? Like, yes. You know what I'm saying? And like, that's what I want. Like, I want to be able to like sit in my own deconstruction and say, all right, like what's leaving, what's getting tinkered. And what's staying right and it's like oh uh, it's just yeah so i think i'm definitely in the reconstruction but i think that i don't want to like diss the deconstruction or say like it's not valuable no because it I, can be i was i just don't want people to sit there that's what my like where yes. my heart is like i just don't want them to wallow in it and just be like you know, and here's like the thing, like I was thinking about this today, like just in the sense of like processes in systems. Right. I hate, I hate the question. What's the most important part of the process? Why in God's name would there be a step in the process that didn't need to either be there or is so important that it's more important than all the other steps? Mm. Each part of the process is equally as important different steps take different amounts of time. They take different amounts of energy. They take different amounts of reliance on others or reliance on yourself. They're all equally as important or they wouldn't be a part of the process. Like there's not some fourth like weird middle ground between like deconstruction and reconstruction called sit on your for 10 weeks and just kind of like wallow. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, if you don't need to go through that process, then it's not a part of the process and it's not. So that's like my thing is like I think you're getting at too is like each step of this process is equally as important. Construction helps you get to the point where you can start asking questions. Deconstruction helps you ask those questions to find thoughtful answers and to be a and reconstruction helps you live with the mystery that you don't answer all of those. Mm. Yeah. And I I think me and you are both like intellectual intellectually minded in the sense that like we want the answers. Yeah. My GPA doesn't reflect that, but yeah, go on. But I, 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 I'll speak for myself. Although I think that I see some of this in you. I'm the guy that was like, and we can get into this on another episode, but like 
I think my deconstruction started in high school. Yep. Because of the boarding school I went to. Mm-hmm. Because it was just like, follow the rules. If you follow the rules, you're a good person. You're a good Christian. God loves you more. If you follow the rules. And I feel like mine's the exact opposite. I went to public school. So it's like, hey, you're a fish out of water if you're following the rules. Yeah. If you're going to church, if you're like actually plugged in, if you actually believe this thing called Jesus and you're not just going on Sunday mornings to appease your parents, like there's something weird about you. Mm-hmm. So I think that my like, I've always been someone who asked why. Like, right. I will not like, unless I understand the why behind something, I just don't want to do it. Cause I'm like, but why? Like, sure. And, and that's you built, told me, but like, like now why? That now that we're unpacking that, like I have sort of a disdain for people because people always look down at me for my faith in high school mm. or they thought you were kind of different. You know, mm. it was either something that separated you from the crowd in a positive way. And that's why I, you know, I had friends that were teachers that I would have really good conversations with and why it separated you from the pack in a negative way because there were kids my age. I didn't feel like I could relate to, you know? Yeah. Cause I wasn't partying cause I wasn't playing sports cause I wasn't doing all these things. I was more plugged in at my church. And so my, I have a bigger gap between me and people my age because I feel like I can't relate because of kind of the relationship I had with people in high school. All of my friends were older than me and mm-hmm. all of my friends were from church. Yeah. And if I had friends at school, it was like a very like school thing. Like I didn't hang out with them outside of school. If I did, it was really weird because we realized like, Hey, we have nothing in common, you mm-hmm. know? We yeah. just have this teacher in common that we like to complain about or we really like, and that's about it. Yeah. And so it made me really incapable to grow in these relationships until I realized like, okay, like then I had a, a phase of doubt. Then I had a phase of working through some different things in my life where now I'm at a place with it where like now I'm asking healthy questions. Now I'm able to build some of these relationships back up because people aren't a threat. Yeah. And with you, I think that there's probably a story there with inquisitiveness, like, there was probably a time when you were asking too many questions. Yeah. No, definitely. And I think like, it's just weird to like hear both of our stories. Like, and we'll have to make an episode for that. Yeah. We'll just, yeah. We have a lot of episodes coming up. (laughs) At least three, everybody. At At least least three. three. But yeah, I think everyone's personal experience brings them to construction, deconstruction and reconstruction in different ways. Yeah. And if you, and some people's are much, some people's are like the phases that those go on, like you said, like about the time that the time that elapses in those phases and the time it takes to get from one to the other. Right. Are, well, that was the same thing in different ways. Um, but like, um, yeah, just the, the time that it takes for those things to occur and the, me- uh, here's a better way, the magnitude as well as the time it takes is different for every person con- like considering their upbringing. And, and gosh, the important part I just like, I think is whatever phase you're in, whether you're in this sort of construction, reconstruction or deconstruction, reconstruction, what, whatever phase, if you're out of it, if you're, you're starting it, whatever, have patience and empathy for somebody in different phases. Yes. Because we just talked about that where there's like, remember there was like that pit in our stomach where like there would be naive people that just be like, well, I just think God does things, you know, his own, like where we're just like, like that doesn't satisfy me, you know? Yeah. Have patience for that person because they're living in either construction or reconstruction in the kind of mystery. 
have patience with them. But as if you're a pastor and you're on fire for God, like you're feeling it, man, like you've gone through all of it and you're just like on the other side, smiling, joyous, laughing. And there's someone in your church that's doubting, like have patience, have empathy for that person, guide them through it. Mm-hmm. That's your job. Like is as and it hopefully it, it, you can be that person to like, man, I would love to get to where you are. Like, what do you have? And it's not a ladder. No, 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 it's no. a race. And it's not about finishing first. It's not about finishing last. There's no, it's about finishing the race well. Yeah. It's, it's just how it is. And when people are on different points of the race because they've started at different times, that's okay. But everyone runs the same distance. Yeah. So, Luke, I think you want to wrap up with a uh, a quote from C.S. Lewis. Yes, and before before I do, I also want to make this statement just to be clear. Um, for this episode and for the episodes going forward, is like we aren't in this to, as I've said, just you know, make fun of or make light of the deconstruction phase. No, not at all. Like some of both of us are in that still at some level. And this is more or less of a purge for us. We've talked about this a lot. Like these are conversations we've had over weeks of time. And finally, we're just like, we just need to record something. We need to put it in audio and just leave it there. Yeah. So we like, if you're in deconstruction, please like come join us in our fight for reconstruction, but in like our being able to like help in the deconstruction. But also when I say help, I don't want it to sound like we're sitting here, like we're having, we have all the answers. We're super about qualified. How to, how to reconstruct and like all of that. And that's something that was just like on my heart, even before we like switched up the podcast was like, I don't want this to be the here, come listen to all the answers. But this is like, here's where we are in our journeys and here's what we see and here's what we want to talk about. Here's what we're going to analyze within our own walks and within the church at large. And like, hopefully we can be helpful to somebody. Yeah. If one person DMs us and goes, you know what? That's made me think about something. Then all of this would be worth. And honestly, like I want to talk about our qualifications real quick. The only thing that qualifies us to be actually recording this podcast and saying the things we're saying is the fact that we had some free time. Yeah. And that you bought microphones. Yep. Other than that, we have probably very little business. But this is how we feel like we're mobilizing the gospel in our best way we can. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, dude, wrap it up with the C.S. Lewis quote and uh, okay, we'll get on out of here. So this is at the uh, end of the uh, preface to mere Christianity. And Lewis is giving the analogy of the Christian faith being like a house, kind of like how we were talking about people just running around smashing the walls. Um, But he talks about the house and talks about if you're in the hall, but you haven't picked a specific room to like go into, like you could say a denomination or a certain like philosophy or theology or thought process or whatever in terms of the faith, but you're in the house. And so, he has some really good things to say in the in the last uh in the last paragraph pretty much and he says but you must he's talking about when you're waiting in the hallway and he says when you get into the room um when you get into 
your room, you will find that the long wait has done you some kind of good, which you would not have had otherwise, but you must regard it as waiting, not as camping. You must keep on praying for light, and of course, even in the hall, you must begin to try to obey the rules which are common to the whole house. And above all, you must be asking, which door is the true one, not which pleases you best by its paint and paneling. In plain language, the question should never be, do I like that kind of service? But are these doctrines true? Is holiness here? Does my conscience move me forward? Does my conscience move me toward this? Is my reluctance to knock at the door due to my pride or my mere taste or my personal dislike of this particular doorkeeper? When you have reached your own room, be kind to those who have chosen different doors and to those who are still in the hall. If you are wrong, they need your prayers all the more. If you if they are your enemies, then you are under orders to pray for them. That is one of the rules common to the whole house. So, just to say, we want to be loving and gracious and understanding with everybody else in the house mm. and with everybody else in different rooms. And we are traveling from room to room, it seems, right now. So we are kind of also in the hallway in some respects. Yeah. And so, just to say, like, we don't have the answers but we want to invite invite you to come along the journey. And it, yeah, absolutely. Not every door is the same either. The door that's true for you could not be true for me or the door that's true for somebody else. You know, that's why there's different denominations. That's why there's different uh, translations of the Bible. You know, people find truth where they find it. My thing is like if the Trinity... They're in the house. Yeah, you're in the house. Do you believe in the Trinity? Do you believe that God of justice created this world, that man has fallen, that he sent his one and only son to die on the cross, and that he rose again, and that now his Holy Spirit is active in the world, active in our day-to-day lives, in even the most minute details, and that that is our belief that we are now to evangelize to the world. That's the house. Yeah. So just to say, hmm? you're invited on this reconstruction, deconstruction. Even if you're constructing, who knows? This might get weird. But thank you very much for joining us on this first episode. This is Which the- is really the fourth episode, <laughs> but we're not going to release those. <laughs> I've been Dimitri Lash. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at D-I-M-I-T-R-Y-L-A-S-H. Luke. All right. My name is Luke Byler. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Luke underscore Byler 816. That's B-Y-L-E-R 816. Thank you very much for listening. This has been the Belfast Podcast. Side. Got that queen for the ride Girl, get you that bill Got so many inside Ain't that you